our sermon tonight uh, from Jeremiah chapter 45, words of God to Baruch. We remember Baruch was Jeremiah's scribe, and it says in chapter 45, verse 1, the word that Jeremiah the prophet spoke to Baruch, the son of Neriah, when he had written these words in a book at the instruction of Jeremiah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah, say. Now this is interesting. God's giving a special message to Jeremiah, to Jeremiah's scribe. At the same time, when Jeremiah and, and his scribe Baruch were writing the book of Jeremiah, at least portions of it, in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, which we looked at last week. Now last week, the text we were looking at was in chapter 36. So we got a nine-chapter jump and lots of chapters and lots of things in those chapters, which we'll cover by God's grace. Uh, so again, as we mentioned last week, Jeremiah is not in chapters are not placed there in chronological order. There are, there are, obviously this verse in this chapter goes right along with the last chapter 36, but they're not in order, chapter 36, 37, 38, uh, as far as the fourth year of Jehoiakim. Uh, there's some chapters in between these two which have to do with kings after Jehoiakim's time. Now most books in the Bible make sense and are written in a logical format, not all of them. Uh, the Gospels are not always in chronological order. Sometimes it's by topics, but, but uh, portions of them anyway. But here, it, 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 again, it's just, it just totally mixed up all. So as you read through Jeremiah, take that into consideration uh, when you're trying to grasp what exactly is taking place. So in the scheme of things, Jeremiah asks Baruch to be a scribe and to write the words of God, and then to go, as we saw last week, and to go and deliver it in the temple to the people. And what happened was he did that, and some of the princes heard about it, and one in particular, and he takes the message to the other princes, and he tells them what Baruch was reading, and they say, we want to hear this also. He runs and gets Baruch, and brings Baruch, and Baruch tells them, and they go, this is amazing. we got to tell the king about this. But Baruch you and Jeremiah better go hide before we can tell the king. And so they take the scroll, and they hide the scroll even, and then they go tell the king, and the king's not happy about it. He demands to get the scroll, they can bring him the scroll, and he burns it up. So it's in that setting that this account today takes place. And so it's at the fourth year, so in the fourth year, we're over here at the end, Jeremiah's time, almost towards the end of uh, the ancient kingdom of Judea, before Babylon comes and takes them captive. Fourth year of Jehoiakim. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to you, Baruch. Now, how would you like to have a chapter in the Bible written to you? Directly, with your name on it, the word of God to, and then put your name there. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be neat? I see a lot of nodding positive heads towards that. But when you think about most of the things that God said to people was not nice and not good. You might want a second like that. <laughs> Unless you're submissive and say, yes, God, correct me and show me my wicked ways, because that's what he normally did. He said, I got a word for you. I want to talk to you. Come into my office here. And he, uh, you know, dressed them down, as they say, right? You know, he would tell it as it is. 
So now I'll ask that question. Would you like to have a chapter for everyone in the world to read for all time with your name on it? Depicting what God's word for you is or was. Right? So this is what God does. He's got a word for Baruch. And he's bringing it through Jeremiah. I still would like God to. And God does. He does have our name on every chapter in the Bible. Every word is written for you and me. Every word there, every verse, every chapter has meaning for us. And I pray that this chapter has meaning for us as well. That's why I preach, right? That's the only reason I preach. It's so that it'll have meaning for us. If you want a history lesson, you know, maybe go find someone else uh, or something else. But I'm not here to teach history, but so that the word of God will apply to our lives and have meaning for us as if our very name was written into it. And I believe that's how, it's an amazing book. But we can read it over and over again, and no matter what we're going through in our life, it'll have application to us, and sometimes various different applications, depending what we're going through at that point in time in our life. That's why one of the reasons it's important for us to read it over and over and over again, not just to read it once and read it once through, but to continually be reading it so that we can continually hear God speaking to us today. And again, you can read that same chapter two days later, two weeks later, two years later, two decades later, and it have different meaning. Not necessarily that the first meaning was wrong, but it had application at that time in our lives, and now it has a a different application and meaning to us. And so, what are the words of God to Baruch? You said, woe is me now, for the Lord has added grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sighing, and I find no rest. God hears. Now, I don't know if Baruch said this out loud. <laughs> I don't know if he said this to Jeremiah or if he was just thinking it. And God heard it. God knows our actions. He knows our thoughts. He knows our motives. And in the judgment, all of those things will be brought into account. And so he brings that to Brooke. Brooke, you were, you were not happy that uh, I had Jeremiah call you for this position, were you? <laughs> he said, whoa, it's me now. Oh, I can't believe this. I got a right for the prophet Jeremiah, and he wants me to go and read this in the temple to all the people. This is not going to be good. This is just adding grief to my sorrow. So we don't know what he was going through already. Maybe sorrowing for the fact that uh, Josiah had died, and now we have this other king and four years of him, and it's not looking good. But he's sorrowing. Maybe he also believes the word of Jeremiah, I have no doubt. That destruction's coming, Babylon's coming, and he's sorry, and now he's got grief added to that. So much so, he's willing to faint. And he's not finding any rest. Jeremiah's having him write and write and write. And Jeremiah, is, this is a very short chapter. I think it's like eight verses, maybe. It is an unbelievably short chapter for Jeremiah. Jeremiah is like one of the longest-winded prophets. And he just wrote and wrote, like, because he didn't have to do the writing, he had Baruch do the writing. But he would just dictate and dictate, and almost all the chapters, like 50 verses or more, very long book. 
And so he's, I've got no rest. This guy doesn't stop. He has me writing and writing and writing. Now he wants me to go and, and preach this as well. So he's fainted, sighing at the grief of this calling that God has upon him. And woe is me now. God hears him and God calls him on it. Thus says the Lord, Behold, what I have built, I will break down. And what I have planted, I will pluck up. That is, this whole land. Now he's speaking directly to maybe what Baruch was thinking. Maybe Baruch was thinking, well, maybe God's not going to actually destroy all of Jerusalem like Jeremiah has been saying. Maybe I'm writing all this for him, and maybe I'm going and speaking all this for him. But maybe it's not going to come to pass exactly that way. Maybe he was fearful, he might be embarrassed. Here he spoke these things and wrote these things, has his signature on it, his face on it, and it doesn't come to pass. So God says, no, I'm going to do it. What I said I'm going to do, I'm going to do. I will what I have built, I will break down. Yes, it's the city I love. Yes, it's where I placed, promised to place my name there forever. Yes, my blessings are upon it. Yes, my temple is there. My sanctuary is there. But if my presence is chased away, I will break down. And I will pluck up. I am going to do it, even this whole land. I told Hezekiah long before I was going to do it, and I'm going to do it. Take my word for it. Thus says the Lord. Maybe he's reading into Baruch's doubts and his fears. Not done yet. Do you seek great things for yourself? Do not seek them, for I will bring adversity on all flesh. Now another aspect of maybe what Baruch was thinking and God exposing for us to read today and for Baruch to read and anyone else who read Jeremiah's book even in that day. Maybe he was thinking some selfish thoughts for himself and his life of ease. Maybe he had plans of a wife and a family and maybe a little plot of land and a nice couple cars and Nice retirement plan, and maybe some vacations. He had some plans. Do you seek great things for yourself? Maybe he was working on a book. He's a scribe and working on his own book. It's going to be a bestseller. It's going to hit the top. It's going to sell on Amazon. Maybe it was going to be great. Maybe he was a good speaker. He's going to be asked to speak in all the various venues. He had plans. Whatever those plans were, seeking great things for himself. You seek great things for yourself? You know, when God asks the question, he knows the answer already. <laughs> and in the question, he's revealing it. Did you eat from that tree? <laughs> you, <know>? <laughs> <laughs> you seeking great things for yourself? Yes, you are. I know you are. Don't deny it. Don't lie to me. 
He's seeking great things. Now I'm talking to you. He's seeking great things for yourself. Maybe great things of great in the sense of fame. I'm going to make it. I'm going to be the best. They're going to applaud me. They're going to like me. I'm going to reach some milestone. I'm going to reach some position. I'm going to get some salary or get some promotion. I'm going to be something. I'm going to be somebody. <laughs> I said that to someone one time, and, uh, and he said that he knew he was something. Because his wife always says, you're really something. <laughs> <laughs> he might have wanted to be, Baruch might have wanted to be something that God wasn't wanting him to be. And he knew, if I become Jeremiah's scribe, if I go and say these things in the court, I'm never going to get that promotion. I'm never going to get that position. I'm never going to get that job. God told Jeremiah, a wife's not, in your, not going to be for you. You're not going to have a wife. He might have said the same thing to Brooke, I don't know. But that was Jeremiah for Jeremiah. And so he might have had great ideals. What are your dreams been? Remember our friend shared testimony one time. He had these plans. He was going to build this orphanage. He was going to help all these needy kids. He was going to be such a blessing to them. He had all these plans in mind and all like that. And then one time God showed him in prayer, that's not what I said you're going to be doing for me. Nice idea, nice plan, but that's not for you. Kind of like King David, I got this great plan. I want to build this wonderful temple for the Lord. And I'm sure both those examples, their motives were right. It was for the Lord. Nathan even gave his approval. Yes, go for it. Good idea. And the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, I didn't say it was a great idea. You go back and you tell him it's not for him. He's not going to be the one to do it. Or another friend, he was writing a book. Big, huge book he had already written. That was before computers, typing it away on this little ding, ding type typewriter. Pages and pages and pages. And he gave his heart to God. God impressed him, that's your idol. Burn that thing up. And he did. Burned it down. Put it on a stove burner, little burner. Watched it sizzle away. Smolder away. You got plans? You got ideas? You think you're going to do this great thing, even this great thing for God? What are your plans? What are your goals? What are your desires? Lay them before the Lord. Lay them at his feet. And ask him, God, do you want, is this your calling for me? Is your, this your plan for me? Maybe it's some position, maybe it's again some godly thing. Maybe it's some position at work or in life or some goal of richness, riches or prosperity or fame. Maybe just fame in certain circles. 
Some people just want to be the president of the homeowners association. They can we really wield power and control everyone in their neighborhood. If you build a fence two inches over the line, you're going to get a notice. Maybe we have some dreams or motives or goals, godly or just for ourselves. You seek great things for yourself. Maybe just what seems natural and normal in American dream. I just want a spouse. I just want a kid. A couple kids. Just want a vacation. Maybe God says, that's not for everyone. Maybe God's saying, that's not for you. Can we be content? Maybe you're saying, woe is me. If I take this stand for God, I'm not going to be able to have this position. I'm not going to have to, I'm not going to get that promotion. If I speak up and defend this person, if I speak up and tell what the Word of God says, if I take this position in my life, I might lose some friends. You might lose some influence. You might not have what I want. Have you been thinking, woe is me? I've been asked to do this thing. I've got this call, but I really don't want to do it. I'm willing to do it, but I really don't want to do it. I'll do it. But you're not wanting to do it. Not a cheerful giver. Not a cheerful doer. Just a legalistic doing it because the word of God says do it. Woe is me. All right, I'll be your scribe, but woe is me. <laughs> Grief onto my sorrow already. I'm already miserably sorrowful. Now this is even worse. Got more added to my plate. Another thing for me to do or not do. seeking greatness for ourselves. For things for ourselves. We got news for us. We're not in heaven yet. <laughs> this place is not heaven. Won't hold on to this place. There's nothing worth having here. Let it all go. There's no greatness here. There's no attainment here. You seek great things for yourself, do not seek them, for I will bring adversity on all flesh. This is the place of adversity. This is the place where we toil with our hands, where the thorns, thorns and thistles grow. We eke out a living working at the sweat of our brow. Even in serving the Lord, there's no glory here. Our rewards are written up in heaven. And that's where God will give us our crown. That's where he'll give us our stars. See, the most dangerous thing is when someone can pat us on the back. Then we're in dangerous ground. 
or the numbers look good, or the stats look great, or the appraisals are coming in, approval ratings, and the way to goes. Pride cometh before the fall. Satan often uses that as a setup. It's not in this earth. Do not seek great things for yourself. Not here, not now, not in this planet, not in this day and age. Do not even seek them. Seek the Lord and the Lord's will. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift us up. We can't do much, and we can't really do anything, but God commands us to do that, to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. How do you humble yourself? It's a choice that we can make. It's an acknowledgement of reality. As Golda Meir said, don't think too highly of yourself. You're not that great. Might be a misquote, but kind of a paraphrase Somewhere along that line, don't be so proud, you're not that great. It's an acknowledgement, we're not that great. No one here, no one in this world is that great. God only is good. God only is great. Seek his will, not our own. Seek the kingdom of God. Seek his righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto us. Seek not this life. Seek not the things of this world. Seek him. Seek his kingdom. And seek it with all our heart, with all our strength, with all our soul, with all our mind. With all our might. Seek him and his will. That's the only thing that matters. Seek him out. Don't worry about the adversities. Don't look for the easy path. Look for the pleasure and the life of ease. Just kick back and, you know, there's adversity in this world, especially if we serve the Lord. Came not to bring, a, bring peace, but to bring a sword. There's adversity here. It says, brother will turn against brother and sister against sister and spouse against spouse and parents against children and children against Parents, there'd be adversity in this world for all flesh. Seek the Lord, seek his will, seek to do what he calls us to do, and do it humbly, not for greatness. Humble ourselves and he will lift us up. And we never know when. He will have a call upon us in his time and his way. We never know when that time and moment might be. But if we seek the Lord and we humble ourselves before him and we do whatever he calls us to do, he records it in heaven and he determines whether it's for greatness or not. He counts up for him and that's where it matters. And that's the only place it matters. And what might seem small and insignificant and even worthless here on this world, in the heaven realm, he might esteem as of great value. The story of a man who preached, I think, to two people. 
rainy night, no one showed up hardly. The man preached anyway. And the preacher came out of that meeting, surrendered to the Lord. True story. I think it's Mark Finley. I think there's another similar story to Charles Spurgeon. Both those men went on to preach to thousands and win thousands to the Lord. It's not about the greatness here. It's about what God considers greatness. Being used by him. Do not seek the great things for this life. Here and now. You think about some of our presidents. They don't become presidents until often in their 70s sometimes. So also don't count God out of what he determines to do and when he determines to do it. It's not about seeking it for ourselves. It's being surrendered to the Lord and doing what he calls in his time. Moses was just a shepherd with a few sheep and a wife and a couple kids until he was 80 years old. And then God said, now's your time. And he said, I've been enjoying seeking this pleasure life. At one time in my life, if you would have called me when I was 40, I was ready to go and take the kingdom for you. But now I'm 80 and I'm liking this shepherd business. I'm liking it out here. Having fun with the kids. Nice out here, quiet. Stars at night. It's easy. Now you want me to go? Not our will, but your will be done, Lord. Move when he says move and not move when he says don't move. Seek his will and his will only. And sometimes he says not now. Sometimes he says never in your lifetime. Sometimes he surprises us and says now's your calling. And are we willing at that moment to stop seeking what we thought? Sometimes Moses was wanting maybe the greatness and the power. God said, you're not ready now. It's not until you humble yourself in the Lord. And then maybe he was liking that ease too much. And God said, I've got a calling for you. So either way in our life today, maybe you're seeking the greatness or maybe you're seeking the ease. Do not seek great things for yourself. Do not seek them. God will bring adversity on all flesh. But I will give you, verse 5, I will give your life to you as a prize in all places wherever you go. What a prize. I'm going to let you live on and experience these adversities, Baruch. I'm going to let you live on and be ridiculed. I'm going to let you live on. I'm going to give you your life. And you're going to have to go into hiding the king's going to seek you out. The king's going to want to kill you. But I'm going to give you your life as a prize in all places, wherever you go. So maybe Baruch was fearing death. Don't worry, you're not going to die, not yet. I got something for you to do. I got a place for you to go. This again is in the fourth year of Jehoiakim. When Jeremiah told him to write and told him to go preach, but he didn't get the opportunity to preach until at least nine months later, in the fifth year, in the ninth month. So somewhere in that time period, God was speaking to Baruch these things and preparing him for that talk. And in that talk, it convicted the 
princes that convicted the people, just didn't convict the king and a few of his close counselors. But God used it in a mighty way. Maybe the message for us today is that God can actually use us. Put away the fears, surrender them to the Lord, don't worry about ourselves, don't be seeking this life, don't doubt the word of God, don't doubt the power of God, God to build up what he chooses to build up and bring down what he chooses to bring down. Let us allow him to build up in us the areas that need building up and let him tear down the areas that need to be torn down. Let us fall upon the rock and be crushed or else that rock is going to fall on us and crush us. Seek not our own life, but seek his life, right? Try and save our life, Yeshua said, we will lose it. But if we lose our life here, we will gain it. Well, how do you do that? How do you lose something and then gain it? How do you lose your life and then have it? Well, that's the amazing thing with God. That's how it is. You give him a tithe, give him the 10%, give him the offering, and somehow you end up with more afterwards. That's an amazing miracle of God. We give him one day of the week, and somehow we end up with more time than if we didn't. It's the amazing thing of God. God's got an interesting multiplication, interesting math God does. We give him our life, and then we gain eternal life because he gave his life for us. He gave himself for us. He laid down his life in place of our life. And we only get that life, we only get his life and eternal life when we give up this life. And the desires of this life and the, and the pursuits of this life, the goals of this life, and the things of this world, and seeking them for ourselves, to gather up for ourselves, we surrender that all. And that again we can do by choosing. God, I choose to acknowledge, without you I can do nothing. God, I choose to acknowledge to myself and to you and to anyone who will hear it. I am worthless without you. I am nothing without you. But with you and because of you, I have all things. God, I am weak, but with you I am strong. By your grace, I can do all things. Humble ourselves. Acknowledging to him, to ourselves, and to the world. That's what immersion is about, dying, being laid down, going down, having someone assist us, being raised back up. Surrendering all. That's what the symbolism is. Surrendering all to him. Daily basis. Dying to him daily. Giving up our life. And getting his life. Accepting our death in him. That we've already died. We've already died. We're already, already dead. All of us are already dead in him. He's already taken us. He's not waiting on us. He's taken us and he's taken the whole world. And when we acknowledge that, it becomes a reality in our life. But he's already taken us. 
into himself. We're already dead in him. And so we're either walking dead or we're alive in him. We surrender to him. We accept our death in him. The price has already been paid. Sins have already been forgiven. The carnal nature already taken. We allow him to come inside us and live inside us. I will give you your life as a prize. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Yeshua the Messiah. We receive him, we receive life here. I want you to have life and life more abundant, both here and in eternity. When we surrender all and forsake all, no one who has forsaken mother or father, or sister or brother, or husband or wife, or all things on this earth who do not have more in this life and in the world to come. Only by surrendering all do we receive all. Rook seemed to have been doubting that. Is he really going to destroy this place? Woe is me, this doesn't look like a good job. I had plans, desired things for my life. God says, throw all that away. Throw away the fears, throw away the doubts, throw away the ambitions. Surrender to me. And I will use you as my instrument. And it seems that Baruch did that. And God was able to use him. God wants to use each one of us as well. There's only five verses. So I don't know how I turned five verses into such a long sermon. But nonetheless, hopefully it was meaning for us. We're not done yet. It's a beautiful song. Eyes on the sparrow, based on the Bible text. Not one sparrow is forgotten by God. Do not fear, for you are of more value than many sparrows. God hasn't forgotten you. God hasn't forgotten me. God has a plan for us, and if you're discouraged on God's calling in your life, you're discouraged about what seems to be God's plan in your life, don't be discouraged. God knows what he's doing. Karen's going to sing this for us. First time I heard it, I was a fairly new believer, and I was working in an organization, and we put on these winter parties for homeless people. They bring van loads of 30 or so people into a room, filled this room, served them a meal. We had songs and testimonies and, and gifts, hats and scarves and gloves. This was up in the north. Teddy bears and things like that. One of the things they liked the most were these teddy bears. That's what they liked more than the hats, the scarf, or anything. I don't know what they did with it once they got back out on the street, because at the end of the party, we had to take them back out to the street. But that's what they liked the most. And at one of these parties, and we did this for three days every year, at one of these parties, there was this one lady in, in particular that's just stuck in my mind. It's 30 years ago. And she was just, just having a ball, having a good time, enjoying all the testimonies, enjoying everything, and getting along with everyone at her table, and just having a wonderful time. And she got her ticket called, and, and she got to go get her gifts, and, and, and she got this big bear. And she just, yeah, I just love this bear. And she just showed it off, and, you know, and just, just was enjoying the time. Well, at some point in the, in the party, she got up and she asked 
the, the host, Juanita Kretschmar, if she could sing a song. Juanita gave her the microphone. This was the first time I heard this song. And she sung it with power and with zeal that I still remember to this day. Karen's going to pray the song is a blessing to each one of us and an encouragement to each one of us, as it's been to so many over the years. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Yeshua is my portion and a constant friend is he, his eye is on the sparrow and he's watching God gave a message to Baruch that he knew he needed. As we see through the scriptures, that's what God does. He knows our needs. He knows where we are at in our point in life each time. And out of love for us, he gives us a message to help us in our fears, over our discouragements, out of our sorrows and to put us on the right path on his plan for our lives. And so as we pray tonight, you've been feeling a, a woe is me in your life. Maybe you're unhappy with whatever calling or whatever conviction God has brought to your mind in life. And you're feeling like, I'd rather be able to do what I used to do or do something else, but now I've got to do this because God said so. And you're feeling a woe is me type of a thing. The moment when we pray, I invite you to surrender that before the Lord. Maybe you have some doubts whether God's actually going to bring the judgments he says he's going to bring. Or doubts regarding the promises in his word. God wants to reassure us tonight what he said he will bring to pass. 
He'll build up what he wants to build up. He'll bring down what he wants to bring down. He will fulfill his word in our lives personally and in this world. Maybe you've had some ambitions in your life, some goals, and you want to surrender them to the Lord. Maybe God will say, yes, that's what I impressed you to do. I'm with you on that. Maybe he'll say, no, i got something else for you to do. His eye is on us. He loves us with an everlasting love. Each of us, to him, is more valuable. He takes care of the sparrows. He clothes the grass. He loves each one of us, and he has a plan for each one of us. He has a plan for the sparrow and for the grass. He has a plan for us. Some to be like grass here today, gone tomorrow. Some to be like oaks. Whatever the case. Surrender our plans and our desires to him and let him fulfill his word and his work in our lives individually. If you're discouraged, I want God's encouragement, God's blessing, God's promise of everlasting life in your life. So we pray, claim that. Whatever it is that applies to you tonight, accept his life in our life. Let us pray together. Our Lord and our God, ruler of the universe, we praise your name and thank you for your tender care for Baruch. Thank you that you weren't just satisfied with him just doing the job, but you wanted his heart as well. And I'm thankful, Lord, you want our hearts. And I'm thankful that you love us with an everlasting love. Thank you for watching over us. Thank you for bringing messages to us to get us on your path, to keep us on your path. We want to surrender all to you. We want your approval. We want to surrender all the ambitions of this world and all our desires and all our hopes. We want to do your work and do it faithfully. Do it with right motives with your power, live in us and out of us, for your honor and for your glory, in Yeshua's holy name.